I really see that this current series has been an opportunity for an awareness to grow, you know, in the, in the lives of us all as believers, and just how important it is to be equipped and aware of those weapons that we've been called to use. You know, we've really been through, uh, I could say, many weeks now of training and teaching around uh, this area of spiritual warfare. And we've called it Battle Prayer, uh, this series. And um, sometimes the topics have sort of moved and, and looked at different things. But one of the main things that's come out is we realise that the enemy has plans that he actually purposes against his people. And, uh, and that involves strongholds, that involves snares, and what we've seen is that God's, God's anointing uh, for the church and upon individual believers is about setting captives free. You know, we carry that anointing. And, you know, the more we, uh, I guess you could say it's more, more caught than taught. And uh, I was sitting there enjoying some of the anointing at different times during the, the ministry this morning. But there was, there was a real anointing that was just being released, I believe. You know, particularly as, as uh, Pastor Jess was just prophesying, there was a real anointing being released. And I know I felt like I needed to go get a catcher uh, to, to help me through the rest of that prophecy. Because it was, you know, I could just sort of feel that anointing just being released right across the congregation. And, you know, sometimes we need to just actually drink that in. You know, when the Lord's moving that way by his spirit, we need, you know, some people struggle because they don't know how to receive. It's a bit like drinking. Just drink it in and uh, you watch. Next thing you know, you're, uh, you're reaching for a catcher uh, because the Lord just wants us to be so full of his spirit at this time. And it's in those moments where he's actually topping us up and filling us and getting us to that place where we can uh, go out and have that impact on the people that we get around amen and you know where where people are bound up with things that we we you know may not necessarily discern it but it, the lord will through us bring that anointing that breaks that yoke off their life we need to be aware of that and and uh, be ready for that um and not only the impartations that the lord brings and, and into our lives but but to be a part of releasing that into someone's life and you don't have to run up and you know shout in tongues and jump on them and start you know praying on them you can do it real 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 quiet you know real real covert you know don't have to be overt you can just be real covert and just lay hands on people and watch the lord use that connection to use you as a conduit to pour out his spirit in a way that sets people free you know sometimes my um uh, my best thing to do is to move away from counseling is just, just to lay hands on people because, you know, I know that sometimes there's a better result from, from me laying hands on them than me actually counselling them. How many of you know what I'm talking about, you know? And, uh, and so we, we, we have been in this series for a while now. And, of course, um, you know, we need to know a few things. And, you know, probably a bit of a recap is, is that, you know, we're really at the point in this series where we've considered our weapons. There have been so many uh, that we've looked at. Those weapons that we receive from God are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Last week, we looked a little bit at the revelatory gifts. We looked at um, the way that, you know, a, a, word of, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, you know, a, um, a word of, uh, uh, you know, uh, prophecy over someone's life can just break things off and change directory, uh, trajectory in people's lives. But, you know, strongholds are the en of the enemy are only there for one thing, for the Christian, and that's to be pulled down. They're only there for that reason. 
And of course, remember, Jesus is sat at the right hand side of the father, waiting until his enemies be made his footstool. How many of you uh, grew up and in your family home, you had an Ottoman? Anyone remember Ottomans? I, just, I might just go for a bit of a hands up. Who had an Ottoman in their life? You know, in their growing up, you know, an Ottoman. You know, we didn't have an Ottoman. I heard, I, I learned that, I got about four people who put that. Who had a Puffet? <laughs> Come on, all the Puffets. Okay, so, you know, we're about equal, equal here about what they were called, but they were there to put your feet on. And we started this series saying that Jesus... You know, the, the father said, sit here at my right hand side until I make your enemies your footstool. Yeah. And that's the church. That's, that's our job at the moment. Is making the enemies of Jesus his footstool so that they're under him. Amen. And um, we, uh, we've uh, looked at that. I had a little puffet up there just in case you <laughs> needed to know what a puffet looked like. And in our family, we actually shortened it to poofs, you know. So uh, get that poof over there, will you please? And, you know, it was... And I, I figure, like some names, there's probably going to be a bit of PC uh, work being done on that sooner or later. And they won't be able to use that. You'll only be able to use the Ottoman word. Let's look again at the armory that's uh, listed there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. And again, reacquaint ourselves with a key scripture in spiritual warfare. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles. And that word wiles means tactics, tactics of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places and we're talking about a hierarchy of the demonic okay who are operating functioning sending out operations uh, establishing um, establishing ways of, of uh, coming against the church and against individual believers look what it says is, is therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day the evil day being the day that you experience the, the attack of the enemy and we're called to stand in that day, having done all to stand. Anytime the enemy is shooting fiery darts uh, at you and yours, that's not a time to sit in unbelief. It's a time to be found saying and praying what God says. And that was really what we talked about, those revelatory gifts that we talked about uh, last week, you know. Uh, a word of wisdom, word of knowledge, you know, uh, uh, insights, you know, where the Lord is actually giving you revelation knowledge concerning the nature of things. That's where he's giving you a word to speak and to say into that situation. And uh, we're called to pray that way, you know. And God says that the truth of God at work, you know, is the thing that's going to turn the, turn the, turn the tide of that battle or that um, incursion of the enemy. Keep the belt of truth on. And uh, we want to talk about that and, and look just briefly at these weapons. And we've looked at these as topics of truth, but we want to see what they are again uh, just briefly this morning. So I'm going to speak a little bit about the spiritual armour. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 14, it starts off and says, Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It goes on. But I want to say this, our truth-seeking needs to be always on the basis of God's word. 
we need to keep our world view biblical. You know, during, during the week when we're working through issues at work with family and, and of course, changes in circumstances that, that we see happening around us, you know, we need to keep the truth of God's word. We need to keep our view of what's going around us biblical. You know, rather than seeing as problematic, something that's beyond us, something that we can't possibly manage, rather than seeing the impossibility, we need to see the possibility through God's word and start to live that way, start to, you know, approach those problems in such a way. Not just throwing ourselves at the mercy of God and hoping everything will turn out, but rather going to his word and being active in his word as a people, active to find that word that he's speaking and saying. I tell you what, you know, probably... I would say one of the worst situations that occurred in, in uh, my family life was, was, was as a result of illness. And, um, and, you know, I think back, we never prayed. We, you know, we were, we were believers. And this was, this was when my mother contracted uh, uh, cancer. Uh, I probably would have been 12, 12 years old when that happened. Mother uh, contracted cancer. And we'd been out of the church for a couple of years. And there was no prayer given for us. There was, we, we were not praying at that point. Of course, mum just went downhill, downhill over a period of time. There was a moment where we thought she was maybe going to get better. But by the time I was 13, my mother had died from cancer. And I look back at that, what a tragedy that I didn't know what we knew now. Didn't know, um, you know, some of the truths that, I, you know, that I've studied and, and come to a place of understanding. I couldn't have applied those to my mother's um, ill health. Well, my family didn't understand that we could do that. But praise the Lord, you know, we look and you grow and you learn from things like that. And I know that for me, the impact of that was it made me quite angry as a younger man and uh, quite, the, quite the angry young man as I grew up over that loss of my mother and, and that experience. But, you know, obviously when the Lord came into my life, he, he, he brought that peace and, and you know, again, um, he, he brings an answer. And, and I was able to eventually find someone who spoke to me about my mother's, self, uh, my mother's faith, someone who knew her. And, uh, and I got to know that she was saved and that, you know, when I do come into my heavenly home, she'll be there. Hallelujah. And uh, just reassured me of her faith and, and how she was a believer. And it was so, so exciting to hear that. But, you know, the truth of God remains the key to our growth as believers as well. We need to remember that. You know, the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that, you know, where the desire, the sincere milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. If you're a new believer, if you're two years old, three years old maybe as a Christian, uh, the, the job at hand is very simple. You need to be in the word of God. You need to be in the word. You need to take it on like milk as a baby would take on milk, just always needing that milk, always needing that milk, renewing your mind to the word of God. You know, the truth of God's word remains the key to our Christian growth, and we should be in it daily. Don't wait just for the Sunday sermon, as good as it is. Don't, <laughs> don't wait for the Sunday sermon. Be in the word during the week, you know. And, uh, you, know, our, our, you know, here's the question. How does faith come? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God you know you know faith is heard and uh, our growth in faith is dependent on how we hear and receive the word of God and it's so much more helped uh, in our life as we speak it as well faith is heard you speak it how many of you know that unbelief is also heard unbelief is also heard you hear unbelief and you know it's what you do it's how you manage that that's very important and uh, and 
whatever you do, make sure you don't speak it. Don't speak unbelief, you know. If you know better, make sure you don't speak it. Wherever going to go and give God ground by speaking the truth, speaking his word, or we're going to give ground to the enemy uh, by speaking what he is saying. It's impossible. It's too difficult. I don't think this is going to work out. I can't see how this is possibly ever going to occur. Don't speak that. Amen? Make sure that you're free of that. Jesus said man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. God's word is life-giving to every single one of us, and we need to be giving ourselves to it. Notice that the truth gets a mention as a belt there in verse 14. And, uh, and all the other pieces of armour are truths from the word of God that we should have on and make sure that we uh, are dressed with. And the list starts with the breastplate of righteousness as well. You know, in, in warfare, uh, the enemy usually aims for the largest part of the target. It just makes sense, doesn't it? They would aim at what's called the center of visible mass. I don't think there's any soldiers here today that would argue with that terminology. But they aim for the center of visible mass, or what we would call the torso. That's where the enemy aims. And of course, we, in fighting back, you know, need to, need to recognize that, that there's a, a, a mass there as well. But what it is at the very, Christian, uh, at the very center of Christian truth is relationship with God. And if the enemy is going to go after any particular area in your life, it's your relationship with God. That's why prayer is so important. That's why it's so, so important to be after the word like we've been talking about. You know, chasing down the word and making sure we've got that, you know, that relationship strong in our lives. A revelation of our righteousness with Christ is key to that relationship. And of course, it's called, the thing that we should have on is the breastplate of righteousness, knowing our right standing with God. I tell you what, the enemy will lie to you, lie to you about more than any other area is your relationship with him. Or you're not worthy. Or, you know, you're no good anymore. You know, those kind of lies, etc. And of course, Christians who don't understand their right standing with God will be susceptible to every lie and deception the enemy aims at them. And they go for that big area as he attempts to get you out of your relationship with God. Look what it says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, and in coming into relationship with God through faith in him, his first gift to us is the gift of righteousness. That's his first gift to us, is that, that right standing uh, in his sight. And remember this, it will always be a gift, not something that we work for, not something that we can earn. We have to remember that. If you have a works-based salvation, you'll always be confounded in your holiness because you'll always be laboring for a gift that has already been given. And you'll be confounded in that sense of your own holiness, one that you should just receive and rest in. Amen? You'll never find the standard by which you can measure your own works-based perfection. You'll never find a standard for that. And, uh, and we need to recognise that. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15. We're going to move along a little bit. Otherwise, I have some of the parents saying, 
that two-hour sermon was just too much uh, to have the, <laughs> the kids with us in church today. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 15, it says, And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You know, back in the day, while studying there at Bible College at Rhema, uh, 1989, I believe it was, and I was recruited by the church uh, administration uh, team. Well, actually, it was the graphics uh, department that was there at the church. And, and, uh, and they actually recruited me to sell space in their magazine. They had a, a, like a, a tabloid-sized uh, magazine, and, and they wanted me to go out and sell some of the advertisement for that, uh, for that monthly, monthly publication. And, uh, that, you know, the paper had testimonies and it had articles and Christian articles. And, and, uh, and of course, I approached some businesses, some Christian businesses, and sold space, you know, and made up the little adverts and, and got them into this magazine. But I also got involved in circulation. And uh, we would encourage uh, people to, to get stacks of those papers uh, on Sunday and then drop them into mailboxes as well around the area. And so I bought a bike rack for my bike, my push bike, and, uh, and would ride around the beach suburbs there in northern suburbs and, uh, and, and near home and do letterbox drops and, and I was doing that one, this one particular day and I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember almost the clothes I was wearing and, uh, and I heard the Lord say to me, so clear as a bell, you have beautiful feet. And it was just such a beautiful little moment, you know, where the Lord just, you know, was tucking a bit of a breather on the side of the road, you know, as we riding around, hanging out these things and the Lord said, you have beautiful feet. And um, I know that that's not the truth, but, but, but I, knew, I knew what he was saying to me, you know. And I knew that what he was speaking to me was from Isaiah 52 and verse 7. I just want to bring it up. Oh, there we go. How beautiful are the feet. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Amen? Just love that verse, how it talks about the mountains as well. And we have that, that revelation, those spheres of influence, that, that, that mountain, you know, where you know, we sometimes feel a calling to and, uh, and, and, of course, to be a witness out there. And, of course, that we're all called in some way to, to you know, work out the kingdom of God in those spheres of influence and our, our, but you know remember this our messaging needs to be constant and consistent you know when we're out on the mountain people are going to listen to your testimony people are going to listen to what you're saying publicly amen and uh, our message needs to be constant and consistent and uh, there was some fruit that came from from those magazines yes people read those magazines and of course it was unwanted stuff but but we would put them out anyway until you saw the Please No magazines sort of thing. So, so uh, we kept putting them out there. And, of course, we did that for a number of years. It was actually quite a fruitful uh, ministry. But um, uh, as we move along there in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 16, it says, Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. You know, whatever lies and deceptions the enemy wants to throw at you, your faith is the best response. Your faith, what you believe. And not only that, but what you, not only what you believe, but what you're saying as well forms a part of that shield of faith. Your faith is always going to be in two places. What you believe is going to be in your heart and it's going to be in your mouth. Sooner or later, what you believe in your heart will get into your mouth. That's the way it works. 
What we have to be careful of is we don't let unbelief that we've allowed in to get into our mouth. Because what the, what the Bible says is that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we've got to watch that. We've got to watch that because that, that's where the power is released is through the tongue, through our speaking, through our praying. What you're believing is going to be in your heart and it's going to be in your mouth. And when the enemy comes with lies and deceptions, his perspective, his outlook, his thoughts on the matter, when the enemy comes that way, you are either going to agree and believe it and then speak the same thing or you're going to lift the shield of faith and quench those fiery darts. And quench them. The shield of faith and quench those fiery darts. When you determine to live that way, watch how quickly your situation turns around. Watch how quickly adversarial situations turn around. Things that were against you turn around and are vanquished. As we begin to learn to live, to not only believe God's word, but to speak it, you see. That's the, that's the step up for most Christians, is actually realising that the power is released when you speak it, when you say it. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, so we need to speak it. Okay, just looking at the time. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 7, and it says, And take this, the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Your helmet is the truth that covers your head, isn't it? It protects what is going on uh, up here in the grey matter. You know, If you have it on, it saves you from stinking thinking. If you've got your helmet of salvation on, it saves you from that stinking thinking that can go on. Salvation... <coughs> Salvation also means being made whole. Amen? And we can speak the truths of God's word into wholeness. Amen? We're called to that. It's a process. Some says, well, how long will it take? It doesn't say how long it will take in the Bible. But if you just stay with it, if you just stay with speaking the word, it's that renewing of our mind. It's bringing our thought life into the alignment with what the Word of God says. I'll just say it too while I'm, you know, while, while, while I'm in there. We've got some great books down there. Pastor Margaret's most recent book, Building a Champion Spirit, is full of that understanding on how you do that, how you change your whole outlook and the change the way that you move forward. I, I actually, actually promoted Pastor Anne's book last week and it sold out. So I'm just thinking, well, we've, got this, we've had this for a while now. Look down in the bookstore for it. It's a great little book to take home with you and, uh, and hang on to. Pastor Margaret's book. And, it, and, and we were talking just a little bit earlier on how good it was to see Pastor Margaret over at Wimbledon being honoured for her, for her sporting life and her sporting achievements. So good to see that um, over there in, um, at, at Wimbledon. They didn't do that here so well. They did a pretty poor job of it, actually. And, you know, if you know, you've been reading the papers, you know why. Because Pastor Margaret stands up for family, stands up for marriage and, and those things. As a man says in his own heart, the Bible says, so is he. Amen. Such a big part of our armory, you know, where we choose to meditate God's word, not talking about sitting on a rock in isolation somewhere, you know, contemplating your belly button, not talking about that type of meditation, not talking about incense burning, okay? We're not talking about that type of meditation. The Lord tells Joshua, after he receives the leadership role, Moses dies and Joshua takes over and he receives the best advice in leadership that you could possibly want. 
and, and, you know, and what it was was to meditate the word of God. That's what it was. The biggest problem the church has in leadership is people who think they can lead when they're not full of the word of God. And they want to have a crack at leading without being full of the word of God. And that is a problem in the church. Not this church, hallelujah. But in churches generally. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8. And we'll see it there. Look what the Lord says to Joshua. The book, this book of the law must not depart out of your mouth. In other words, say it. Speak it. Don't just have it in a book on the cover at home. Be saying what God's saying. You know, be those people that are meditating. Look what it says. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And look what the outcome is. For then you will be prosperous and succeed in all you do. And the biblical word to meditate means to mutter, to ponder. It carries the same meaning of a cow that chews grass. You know, they swallow it. It's just the way that they get the nutrition. They swallow it and then they bring it up again. It's called ruminating. Where to do that with the word of God? That's what that word meditate means. So, you know, ingest it and, then, and it comes up again and we think on it a bit more and then we, you know, we ingest it that way. And then we, but make sure it's in your mouth and that you're speaking it and saying it as well. Very, very powerful. And of course, the last part of Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17, and let's just look at that. And it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You know, it's where we finished last week, and it's that spoken word of God. You know, it's not just the written word that we might find and say, oh, I'm going to speak these promises out of my you know, over my life and, and get, you know, get the result of that, um, you know, speaking the word. It's more than that. It's where we do receive the revelation, where we do get the word, you know, we do get the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. We do get the, you know, the, the insight from heaven, you know, that, that understanding of what he's saying at any given moment. And it becomes like a sword in our hand, powerful against what the enemy's trying to do, powerful. And, you know, if you'll, if you'll press in, in prayer, press in for, for what, um, you know, for what the Lord wants to uh, uh, have you saying out over your life, he'll put a sword in your hand, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He'll put it in your hand so that you can overcome and see his victory in situations that otherwise would maybe defeat us. Press in for the word, press in for that sword of the spirit. That becomes a, a critical weapon in our battle and our, and our, our warfare. Is that sword of the spirit that you, we're then to start wielding, speaking and saying, and, you know, until we see uh, the victory. You know, and of course, um, you know, as, we, as, as we finish out this series, what our hope is is that God's people will step up into warfare. You know, we're not looking to have 10 people praying for what we're praying for. What we're looking for is people who will pray what God is saying. Pray out what God is saying and, and, uh, and see uh, the Lord's victory. Amen.